as an attorney, right, you have kind of one uh, piece of the expertise, but for a smooth divorce to happen, you need um, a whole team to come together that has lots of different expertise um, to make sure that this buy or sale that, that is happening with the client um, goes smoothly. You're listening to the Texas Family Law Insiders Podcast, your source for the latest news and trends in family law in the state of Texas. Now here's your host, Attorney Holly Draper. We are excited to welcome Lance Taylor to the Texas Family Law Insiders Podcast today. Lance is a realtor with Keller Williams Realty in Plano, Texas. He was born in the small lake town of Mount, Mountain Home, Arkansas, and graduated from the University of Arkansas. Lance comes from a long line of real estate professionals. His grandfather started his own brokerage in 1968 and his father took over in 1981. Lance worked as a buyer's agent in college while studying finance and engineering and was first licensed in real estate at the young age of 18. Lance briefly left the real estate industry to pursue his other passion of product development and LED lighting design. He traveled to Asia and worked with manufacturing partners and distributors to bring energy efficient lighting technology to the United States and other countries. He moved to the North Dallas area in 2009 with his family, including two daughters, who always keep him busy when he's not selling. Lance's team, Taylor Team DFW, is the number one team at Keller Williams Realty in Plano and a top 1% team nationwide. In 2021, they helped approximately 200 families for $100 million in production volume. Lance regularly teams up with attorneys helping clients through the divorce process. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Holly. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourselves? Well, so that was a, a pretty good introduction. Um, I guess we'll start with, uh, you know, our, our team. And, you know, we started a team in 2018, and our focus was uh, two things. Number one is to attract other industry professionals so that we have everyone in their top 20% in their focus. And so we've been working on, you know, growing the team, growing our expertise, um, recently, to, recently to even include uh, a construction counterpart um, so that we can do just about anything that's needed on the housing side. Um, I know that's about my team, not myself. Um, and so, you know, but me personally, um, so I'm, um, I'm currently married to Christy, my wife, and she is uh, also licensed in real estate. Uh, we've kind of shared this passion. She's also very adept in design and everything house oriented. So she loves that. And then I have two daughters, Presley is eight and Kennedy is 11, uh, completely uh, different personalities. So my 11 year old is my little artist and my eight year old is my little gymnast. So, um, so in, in other than that, I'm an entrepreneur myself, um, have you know, a couple different business interests, but real estate is my primary focus and I really enjoy people. And so this, everything I do in my life is surrounded around people and how to help. I'm very you know, service minded. Um, and uh, involved as, as much as I can with our, our team in every aspect of how do we take care of people the best, no matter what the outcome is for us, um, is how do we make sure we're putting them on the best possible path. So I know that you work partner with attorneys a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and those attorneys often are divorce lawyers and they can also be probate type lawyers. Um, what are some unique factors that go into working for people going through divorce? Well, divorce is a tumultuous time for families. I have a brother who just recently went through a, a divorce, unfortunately, and it really uh, gave me a tremendous amount of empathy for you know families going through that. At that time, he literally couldn't think for himself. Um, in, in so many ways, he had very you know so many different challenges, a very stressful time for him. 
And I recognized how, you know, people respond is not the true person. That's not who they are. So we have to extend lots of extra empathy. We have to really help them walk through uh, the process. We help them make informed decisions by providing the best options so they can just select from those best options to make the best informed decision. And so um, it, I think it really is just a very clouded and difficult time because you can't see the future. When you're going through a divorce, all you can see is the storm that you're in, and yet the future is very important, especially life after divorce. And so we don't want them to make short-sighted decisions just because out of you know, frustration or anger or angst, um, we really want to be able to bring the best solutions to them so that once they get through this whole storm, they truly have um, a, a wonderful life after that. And so, so much of that is attached to how they either, you know, disconnect from real estate or purchase new real estate in the future and credit scores and all the other pieces that go into that. So we recognize that. And, and again, that's what we're there for is to be an additional guide through that process. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, I know you, you partner with attorneys rarely. Can you tell us a little bit about why you do that and what your partnerships with attorneys look like? Well, first of all, so we pride ourselves in having a very thorough vendor list. And I know we're going to get to that later too, but you know, we have clients that need, we need to refer to the best of the best um, in the industry. And so, and that includes, you know, family law attorneys um, in many cases, and we want the best fit. So for one reason, we need to be connected to them because we have clients that need help. And we want to make sure that we're always being the guide and supporting them, getting them connected. But the second thing is that, you know, real estate is centered around life change. And so, you know, this is when people need the most help, you know, generally. And so one of those life change pieces is divorce. And so we are always connecting other professionals that um, are in this process of helping people through life change, including, you know, attorneys and counselors, you know, for that matter. And that's where we can step in early on and provide advice. It doesn't always lead to a transaction for us. It's more about providing the right advice and information, could be valuations, all those types of things early in the process to help them make the best informed decision. What are some complicating factors that divorce can bring to the real estate process? That's a great question. So, you know, I think the biggest thing that I see is when we're going through any type of divorce process is that people, they, they have a need for a win. Or, or in some cases, they, they're punishing the other spouse, unfortunately. And so they're making very short-sighted decisions based on that information. And so it can be very complicated to get them off of their anger focus or their lashing out toward their spouse and more focused on their, their rational mind and making the best informed decisions for where they are in, in, at that point in the process. So I, I think the other thing is um, coordination of people into and out of a home. And during a divorce, you know, sometimes there's a lot of sensitivity to anyone coming in the home. And so we're having to be very uh, cautious of that factor, really making sure we're setting expectations and great communication with both spouses, not leaving one or the other out so that they constantly know what's going on. Um, and so yeah, I think that's, we pride ourselves as a team of 14 individuals. We have a full-time closing coordination, full-time marketing department. We have full-time people specifically devoted to communicating what's happening in the process um, so that that expectations are set. And sometimes we have to do that multiple times because they forget, right? They're in, they're in a tumultuous process. Um, but I would say those are some major complications. So is, are there any specific complications? So we have, usually when going through the divorce, we may have a sale. 
happening because the part, neither one of them can afford to keep it or they can't afford to buy the other person out. And we also deal with people who are looking to purchase a property post-divorce. Um, yes. Starting on the sales side, um, I know that I mean, oftentimes we have people that have to live together until the sale because they don't have the right. funds to go anywhere else. Um, right. Are there ways that you can help streamline that sales process for divorcing clients? Yes. Yeah, so there's, there's several things that we try to do up front is number one, we want to understand kind of how hostile the situation is or how well we're all working together. Um, you know, we, we've had circumstances too, where we try to get the home sold in one weekend. So we do the prep and move, um, you know, that, that way husband and wife, maybe at that moment, they can kind of go their separate ways that weekend. And we try to drive as much traffic as we can while they're not there and having to deal with every single showing request, every single you know person coming through their home and all the anxiety that's led to that. Um, and we've even set up situations where we just clean the house, you know, for them at the conclusion of that, especially during, you know, some of the times we've gone through in the past couple of years is, you know, germs were a concern. So we want to make sure, you know, we were thorough on that. So, you know, I think to your point though, with selling is that you know, a lot of times there's unforeseen liens. Maybe one partner was making decisions financially, the other one didn't know about. And so liens come up on the property. So we're doing very thorough title searches up front and, uh, and making sure that there's uh, nothing that's a surprise. Um, and then, you know, the other piece is condition is not always great. You imagine, you know, if you're in the, the fight of your life, um, you forget about some things and the household is one of those. So we generally bring in um, all of our vendors, whether it be carpet cleaners, it be organizers that can help them kind of move some things out of the way. We use the garage as an overflow area. We want to get everything out of the house so that that state, not everything, but all of the items that don't need to be there, right? So that we really simplify that look of the home, show as much space as possible and, and really help maximize that market sale. So you mentioned about you trying to get a house sold in a weekend. Obviously, when we're recording this, we are we've been in a very, very hot market where it seems realistic to, you know, throw the house in the market, boom, it's sold, problem solved. But that's not always probably going to be the case. So even before this boom happened, were you trying to take that approach? Yeah, so we're just looking at, you know, what are our factors, kind of what is our, our cooperation factor that we have going on and, um, and trying to minimize that stress. So we'll typically talk through several options. Now, to your point, you know, this market recently has been much easier to, you know, achieve something like that. Um, but in the past, before that, it may not have been, um, we may restrict showings to certain times in the day that's less stressful for the family. Um, we may set really good expectations to other realtors out there of you know, how we're going to coordinate those showings instead of having every weekday. Maybe we only have them on specific days. You know, maybe we have more notice, more heads up notice, so that they're kind of in a high anxiety state. They don't want to just up and run out of the house within one hour. So maybe we do a four-hour notice or even a 24-hour notice. Um, so that, that sometimes can come at the cost of more showings because some realtors or, or buyers may not be willing to wait that long. But it also kind of helps just funnel in you know, a more custom approach for that family to ensure that we're not adding to any more stresses uh, than we have to to get the home sold. So flipping over to talk about when we have divorcing clients that are in, going to purchase something, what special factors do you have to consider when you're dealing with divorcing clients in a purchase? Great question. I, yeah, I think the number one thing that comes to mind is kind of our credit and income issues. 
Um, you know, a lot of times through divorce, bills aren't getting paid on time. So we're really trying to manage uh, that the best we can help them get connected to an excellent lender up front, some great advice up front to make sure the bills are continuing to get paid so that we can be a purchaser. You know, the income sometimes can dramatically change depending on if it's one spouse to the other that's out purchasing. But I think one of the harder things too is just simply helping them to right size their expectations. So they may have come from a larger home and they're downsizing, they can afford less. And sometimes that can be a really difficult transition uh, for their new purchase. And so really trying to shed some light around that, help them understand that, you know, when they're buying that new home, they're still making a great financial decision. And they're looking forward to this, you know, this new life that they're creating uh, that looks, you know, a, little, a bit different than what they had. So I, I believe that's kind of some, some challenges that we've run into is really this consultative process and understanding where their head's at. And then there's, there's a myriad of other, you know, challenges that kind of come up on the, the purchase side that really attach to the lending piece. And so we try to get all of that set up with the attorney before the actual divorce happens, because we can really, you know, the, the earlier in the process we can get connected, the more advice and information we can shed on to their situation so they can be successful. So one of the things we see a lot when we have a client looking to purchase a home post-divorce is they start this process before they are actually divorced. And we don't have a magic wand to make sure they are divorced by a certain date. And we can run into situations where we're supposed to close on a house on June the 8th and our divorce decree hasn't yet been signed. So are there special things that you do? Do you typically try and move the closing or are you working on extra deeds to deal with the fact that they aren't yet divorced when this closing happens? Yeah, and, and of course we've been through many situations where we try to set expectations really well to the other side. So if we're in the selling situation, um, you know, we're, we're listing the house and we have a buyer agent on the other side. We want to set expectations up front. And usually we want to set soft close dates. So a lot of times in this current market, we've been able to set a closing date and, and within our contract, it's always on or before that closing date. Um, so we try to give ourselves a little space there, but then typically have a lease back to follow that. So you know, that way the, the sellers don't have to move out of the home right away. They have a little more flexibility. So if that closing date ultimately gets pushed, then the occupancy, which is the buyer, you know, moving in and, and setting up um, their movers and, you know, all the things that happen with that is not already, you know, like conflicting as well. Because that's when costs start to accrue, right? Is when everyone is banking on one date and all of a sudden it moves. So we really just have this soft closing date with some additional flexibility on both sides. And then we're staying very much in tune with what's happening in the proceedings and how, you know, how close we're getting to a divorce, you know, actual um, a finalized divorce. But a lot of times we're selling too when there's just a divorce decree. So it doesn't have to be finalized. And we just simply know how everything's going to be split up. And that is accounted for um, when the, the uh, attorney is writing that divorce decree. So why would you say it's important for family lawyers to develop a good relationship with a local realtor? You know, I share with people, it's, it's like having, you know, a football team full of all running backs is that, you know, as an attorney, right, you have kind of one uh, piece of the expertise, but for a smooth divorce to happen, you need um, a whole team to come together that has lots of different expertise um, to make sure that this buy or sale that, that is happening with the client um, goes smoothly. 
And so, you know, there's lots of pieces that that come up on this marital balance sheet and the attorney has to have references and people that they can reach out to and get, for example, a, a very close comparative market analysis. So they understand what these asset values are, which, you know, how to move them around and, and negotiate on behalf of their client. And so uh, I think it's really important to have someone that they they know, like and trust um, on the real estate side so they can make that quick phone call. But there's no expectation from the agent. So a lot of times we get calls early in the process, six months before any transaction may develop. And yet we know that's part of the process is we're helping those attorneys really get the best information so that client can make the best informed decisions with what they're sharing. And it requires a team of experts to do that. Real estate's just a piece of that. So I've for years, you know, having told clients we can get a comparative market analysis on their house and that'll help us have a pretty good idea of the value, especially if we're trying to avoid having to do an appraisal just to reach a settlement. With the way the market is now, do you think it is realistic to have a very accurate CMA or are they, are we seeing a bigger gap between what you could really sell this for and what the CMA might show? Well, when we do our CMA, that's a great question, is that, yes, you're taking a snapshot in that moment in time of what that value potentially looks like. And that's in that current market, too. So when we do our comparative market analysis, we also include active sales, active homes. We're not going to weight those very heavily. But what we're trying to show is the trend of the market and what is happening, too. And so typically, when your home goes on the market, you're competing with whatever else is available in the market. So buyers can only make decisions based on what's available today not what has sold in the past, which is what an appraisal is going to pull in. It's just what has sold. So we're really trying to get this kind of uh, the most current valuation and also even a peek into the future of this active inventory that might sell and what that might sell for. So we're including both sides and that helps us get a little more longevity on that valuation. But, you know, also it really depends on when they go on the market. You know, go on the market in a May timeframe versus a divorce pushing out until September could be two very different markets uh, when they actually, you know, go to list. So we do the best we can to provide all of that data, but then also we talk about the strategy within that. Hey, this might be an ideal time to hit the market and talk about some caveats around if they wait for too long, then this is what we we're seeing a trend develop that the market may be softening um, or that interest rates are rising a little bit. So that way they have all the information uh, of what it is now and then can try to make the best decisions collectively together to both benefit both parties when it comes to selling the home and maximizing value. So how long do you think a comparative market, al- market analysis is typically of value to somebody if they're trying to rely upon that data? You know, right now, I would say any longer than 30 days, you probably need to get it updated and check again. So you know, it's okay sometimes to get a quick hit value as we do that up front. And then actually when the attorneys get into the negotiations a little bit more depth, we'll go and update that again and say, okay, here's some new data that's come into the picture. We want to include that. And here's where the value potentially has changed on the property. How long does it usually take you all to prepare a CMA? So we have a short form and a long form CMA. And long form CMA is going to have the most data photos, the best comparison for even you as an attorney, right, for anyone to look at and understand. That takes about 30 minutes uh, for us to accomplish. But a quick hit CMA may take us five to 10 minutes, just depending on, you know, what what available comparables we have around the property. So oftentimes, you know, when we, we go to mediation with our clients and we may have a little bit of incomplete information or 
you know, we show up and the party's values of what they think the house is worth are drastically different. And is that something that, you know, attorneys can pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm sitting in mediation and we got a big dispute about the value of the house. What can you get me really quick? Is that something yeah. that you can do really fast? It sure is. Yeah. And especially if they give us a heads up, heads up when the mediation date is um, so that, you know, we can become a little more available. But the good news is, like I said, you know, we have a team of professionals. So it's myself. And of course, I, I do a ton of that interaction and connectivity. But we have two other very, very strong value oriented listing agents that can take a look. And then we have uh, two staff on our team. They're licensed for one's licensed for 20 years and another for 30 years in real estate. So they are very, very quick and proficient at providing that information. Um, so we do our absolute best, even on really short notice, to provide those needs, you know, in a mediation environment. Um, and that helps things flow along. But we, we currently do that. And I think that's a big value that we can provide. How important is it or is it important that the realtor you have performing that CMA for you is from that specific market? I think they need to have um, certainly awareness of what's driving that market. Um, but, but being from the market doesn't necessarily, it's not quite as important. You know, the level of data that we have now that we have access to can give a tremendous amount of insight. And then to our, our general knowledge of, you know, what sells homes, which is typically their you know, condition and location and what are the hazards potentially around that property that either may influence value one way or the other. Um, so all of those type things generally stay similar. You know, if I looked at a property and although I'm not licensed there in Birmingham, Alabama, I can get a pretty good idea of what's causing that market to work. How, what are the days on market? How quickly things moving? Um, and then, you know, now we have Google Maps these days, too, so you can walk the street, you know. Um, so we have some pretty good insights that we can create. But when it comes to Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, we are familiar with a tremendous amount of the markets because we've sold homes in them as a high volume team. Are you seeing any slowdown yet in the market or is it still really hot? Yeah. So, you know, as we are here in June of 2022, right, it's, it's, this is usually a time where things are soaring. The market has soared for so long, though, is that it's taken a breath. And really, as this just happened the last two weeks, uh, it's been very noticeable. We have listings coming on every single weekend. Um, and buyers going under contract every week. And so we see it minute by minute. And just now, we're seeing the market taking a breath, which, in my opinion, could be a very healthy thing. Because um, the trend that we were on is just not realistic for it to continue forever. I agree completely. <laughs> um, so one of the things, you know, I always have my podcast guests send me some talking points when we're getting ready to the podcast. And one of the things you mentioned in your talking points was the easy button of real estate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I sure can. So easy button real estate is really just a simple term for what we do to bring all of our experts and information to the transaction to simplify the decision making process. But as you can imagine, it's not we don't just sell the home. We do all the preparation in advance. So that includes you know any defects in the home issues that need to be uh, corrected that are going to affect market value. We want to provide a solution to fix those in advance you know, the staging process of the home. We want to make sure that we're addressing the home and staging it so that the photography and videography turn out the absolute best. And then when it comes to the selling process of the home, right, we're making informed decisions based on all the nuances that are happening in the market. And yet anything else that's needed, even financial planners or mortgage professionals and all of those pieces are we're going to bring to the table at the exact moments it's needed. 
that's what the easy button real estate really represents. And I know kind of within that um, is the piece of all of the vetted list of vendors and partners that you work with. Tell us a little bit about your network and why that can be a benefit to family lawyers. So in real estate, we view ourselves as like the quarterback of the team. So another football reference, but you know, we are, we're the quarterback, but we can't operate effectively unless we have all the other members of our team pulled together. And when we make that phone call, right, we want to make sure that we get specific instruction and they can execute quickly, that they have availability and that they're already vetted as a professional. And so that brings a tremendous amount of speed through the process um, so that we don't have to, you know, continue to to vet lots of people on the fly, right? We have all of that kind of that we bring together. Of course, these are just options that we bring. No one's committed to using any of those options, uh, but we have real experience with them and we know exactly how they operate because we also provide a lot of referrals to those individuals. They snap too. They're gonna jump a little quicker and make sure that they're taking care of the client's gonna benefit, the attorney's gonna benefit, everybody attached to this, we're gonna be able to move in sync. So I noticed on your website that your team has at least somebody with a designation of certified real estate collaboration specialist in divorce. What is that? That is, so that's me. Um, I, I have this designation. And so there is uh, Professor Murray is a lady who teaches this course. Uh, she is a both a Harvard and a Stanford grad, graduate. Um, she also has her Illinois law license. And she has her Tennessee real estate license um, and is on the faculty of Vanderbilt, which is a top 20 law school, and uh, is also a family mediator. So she has a wealth of background and experience, both on the real estate and the attorney side. And so she has built this out. And you see the main word in there is collaboration, right? Uh, so collaboration between attorneys and real estate agents for us to really understand what are the main issues and challenges that attorneys go through and then where can we fill in the gap and provide that support and aid well in advance um, so that they can work with that client to make the best informed decisions? So when we use the term collaborative in the legal world, it's referring to a specific type of like collaborative divorce as a way, a method of doing divorce different from litigation. Yes. So I think... When you're using collaboration specialist, that is not in the collaborative divorce sense. It's a different use of the word. Would you agree? That's exactly right. Yeah. And so collaborative, you know, I know in, in your terms, it's more about between the husband and wife that are splitting, right? Um, and so collaboration in our world, we're talking about the professionals that are, are uh, providing the advice and support and information to that husband and wife that are splitting. And so we're collaborating with, just like we collaborate with mortgage professionals, uh, we collaborate with financial uh, planners, we also collaborate with attorneys, and really we're just using, we're all staying in our top 20% where we offer value. An attorney doesn't necessarily want to have to go deal with all of the things that, that uh, represent the value of real estate and how to dispose of it. They want to stay in their segment, let's, let's finish this marital balance sheet and let's get this thing to show on the road, right? Let's negotiate what, what my client needs. But we try to take some of those pieces off the table for them to help them. So does that typically involve working with both sides or are usually working with just either the husband or the wife and their lawyer? We end up having to kind of work with everyone, right? So we're a neutral third party and we're separate. Now, a lot of times I'll get reached out to by a specific attorney and they want help for their client, uh, which is either the husband or the wife. And so that wherever we get pulled into the transaction, that's where we're going to stay. 
until they want us to take on more, you know, and take the next step. Um, so we can we can kind of be overarching and provide advice for for everyone, or I can specifically provide advice to one attorney, one party, so that they can mess, make the best decisions. And at the end of the day, if they end up retaining a home that needs to be sold or something like that, then we just like to be considered um, as a support channel to help them dispose of the, the home. Okay, so you're kind of talking about being a neutral third party. What benefits do you see that neutral third party providing to the divorce process? I think the biggest benefit that we provide is that, you know, in a divorce, someone's playing to win. There's a winner and a loser a lot of times. And so as a neutral third party, we're trying to remove beyond that. We're trying to help provide what are the best decisions that that individual can make for the future, you know, as in, in regards to what we're influencing, which may be the real estate transaction. And so as a neutral third party, we are not tied up in emotion. We're not frustrated at someone. You know, we simply understand they're going through a challenging time. We can provide more clear-headed, rational direction for them to, to grab onto and make the best informed decision. Is there any type of conflict where if you're acting as the neutral third party helping a divorcing couple um, with the sale of their property, is there any conflict with you also then representing one of them in a purchase post sale. So if with our license, there is no there is no conflict, but yet they all have to be on the same page. And so we are, we're all about full disclosure um, and sharing that information because we certainly don't want to appear like we're working on one side and then now we're working on the other side and upset the parties. The other benefit that we have as a team of professionals is that I'm one human being, right? And I may be working with, uh, let's say the, the, the female, the spouse, and we're helping kind of with maybe a disposition of the asset. And then, you know, maybe Mr. Seller now is um, upset at her and he wants to go buy a house and he may connect with a different teammate. So usually we'll have separate people actually supporting and that helps kind of create some of that separation so that it's not me you know, or one individual that's tied to both sides because of maybe they, you know, trust challenges or things like that. So one other thing I found was really interesting about your team, which probably doesn't have a whole lot to do with family law, but I thought it was interesting and worth discussing. I know you have a sort of specialty of dealing with sports and entertainment. That's right. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we were chosen as a top 1% team within Keller Williams to be part of this unique opportunity to collaborate with other Keller Williams agents across the nation, um, specifically with sports and entertainment individuals. So generally, these are higher net worth um, people who privacy is really important to them. And also the level of service typically needs to be a step above. So it's a very curated service. Um, and we, we have a very specific approach of how we go about taking care of them. There's some additional, uh, you know, fun elements that we add into that um, just uh, to be able to provide the highest level of service for them. And so, as you can imagine, they have some very specific requests sometimes. And so we are very careful in how we convey and carry out those requests throughout the team, not just with, you know, the client, but also our team communication, making sure that we're really, truly taking care of that person the way that they want to be taken care of. Well, I think that would be a, a fun area to be in. Very interesting. It's fascinating. And, uh, and sometimes we, you know, get to share uh, who we're working with. Sometimes we never get to, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get to, you still know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fun. So we're just about out of time, but one of the questions I like to ask everybody who comes on the podcast is if you could give one piece of advice to family lawyers, what would it be? 
I think that I would say is just to partner up with trustworthy industry experts to simplify your work life um, and to keep you in your top 20% activities. Uh, you know, I say that because attorneys, similar to agents, we touch a lot of different elements. And some areas we're really good in and passionate about, and some areas we're maybe just don't care as much about. So we're, you know, we're not passionate. Of course, we're not going to be as great as those activities. And so when you bring a team approach and you have industry professionals coming together, including financial planners, you know, in many cases, and mortgage professionals, it makes the experience for the client a whole lot better. They get to look good because they surround themselves with a good team. And it also makes their work-life balance a whole lot better. And it makes us look good when we can provide those resources to our clients so that they don't have to go research everyone and do all of that legwork because it's all been done for them. That's right. It increases our chance of uh, referrals across the board too, right? So a lot more referral business comes from that because it's our responsibility too when we're uh, in partnership with a, an attorney that when we have an opportunity to get that, you know, uh, maybe a divorce or something that's going to, we want to get the best attorney in the, in the picture as quick as we can uh, to take care of them. So, um, and then too, when you take great care of a client at any point in time, they're going to sing your praises to other people. And if it takes a team to do that, right, you're just going to get that many more opportunities in the future. So where can our listeners go if they want to find more about you? Um, so we have our, our website is taylorteamdfw.com. And we have a, a forward slash attorney dash partners is one subset. You'll see that at the top. Obviously, you just click on attorney partners. Uh, we also have, we're part of American Dream TV. You can see uh, me in action, you know, showing properties and as a lifestyle agent. Uh, so we have that ADTV link that you can click there. And then also we have a, a really excellent search site called greaterdallashomefinder.com. Uh, so it not only provides a great search experience for clients, uh, but also does have a valuation component um, that has kind of a quick hit valuation. Certainly, we like to go back that up with a little extra due diligence, um, but that's another great place to find us. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, for our guests, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. The Texas Family Law Insiders Podcast is sponsored by the Draper Law Firm. We help people navigate divorce and child custody cases and handle family law appellate matters. For more information, visit our website at www.draperfirm.com.